Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Marriage podcast. It's your girl, Tova Jones, also known as the wife of the therapist. And this is Sam Jones, known as the husband of a serial eclectic entrepreneur. You better let her know. And together we are the Jones Unit. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Happy coming to the end of spring break for some of us. I know some of you all may be listening to this podcast while you lay out on the beach in the sun and warm weather. I'm jealous. By the pool. (laughs) Meanwhile, back on the ranch, (laughs) we're at home with toddlers and an infant because they don't have daycare. Because even the daycare provider went on spring spring break. break. Okay. Wow. We've learned our lesson, man. I I can't do this. We're going to have (laughs) to. We're going to have to catch a flight too or something. Just know when y'all all are expecting an episode in May, maybe even two episodes in May, guess what we're going to be doing? Vacationing. Praise the Lord. Chilling. For real. See you later. <laughs> Adios. Sayonara. Because we needed y'all as, I don't know, as the last two episodes, you have heard our stories. First of all, I want to give a, a kudos to my boo, Sam, you killed Ghost Dad, the last podcast about men and postpartum. And you got a lot of good reviews about that. And I think it's because a lot of men and women, we don't notice the changes in men Uh as much as we do with moms. And, you know, we're all so focused on the mom, which we should. I mean, she went through. Right. Y'all go through hell and all the words you better say it Uh um but also it's a life-changing event for the father Mm -hmm. because as the wife is or the mom or the girlfriend or whoever is focusing on the children the father is focusing on the children and the mama and the provide you know what i'm saying in many households Mm -hmm. the father is making sure that everybody's good so i i loved hearing you uh talk and we got a little bit of a of a therapist Sam last week he said this was y'all one free session uh, one free <laughs> if, if you have been navigating any of that as a husband wife boyfriend girlfriend relationship counseling all you got to do now is follow up with going to www.theprincipalthing.com where you can book a session with me because you ain't getting no more free therapy listen from now on every episode is sponsored by the wisdom center okay <laughs> Listen and go ahead. He is licensed to counsel in Michigan. So if you're in any of the Michigan cities, you can look your boy up. He's pretty good. And y'all heard a little. You got your consultation right there. You you heard you heard that he know his stuff. So uh, we're super excited. So you guys, we have an interesting, fun um, topic that we're going to be talking about today. And just a little backstory. So when we were planning out the season. Um, I was just thinking about a lot of things, most of everything that we talk about, we go through. Yep. Um, and so this year we'll be turning eight years. We'll be married for eight years. So we're currently in our seventh year of marriage. And I know many of you have heard about the seven year itch. And I was talking to Sam, you know, whenever I want to know something, uh, that is, um, psychologically or something that's uh clinical i'm uh-huh. always asking him like is this like a real thing or is it a myth 
And so um, he did some research. We did some research. And today research. we're going to be talking about the seven year itch. And if it's true, what you can do to combat that. What are some signs? What are some symptoms? And we're just going to, you know, talk about some of our experiences, but give you all some clinical things as well. So here it is, the seven year itch. So what we got, Sam? So I, I think a, a good way to start this off is number one, I think we need to talk about and this. I feel like I'm feel like I'm walking down this road of giving free advice again. Listen, it's a podcast. It it's, really is. We're not getting paid to this. I'm telling you, everything you say is free. <laughs> we need some sponsors, y'all. I told you the wizards. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's coming out this house. <laughs> Anyhow, um, good way to start this off is talking a little bit about like the cycles of a relationship. I think sometimes when we think about relationships, we see them as a straight line. Mm -hmm. Everything's good. Everything's bad. I hate you. Let's get divorced or everything's good. Everything's bad. Okay. It's not that bad. Let's figure it out. Let's adjust. And so like sometimes we see things as a straight line when really it's, cyclical and or circular and so if you're looking at a piece of paper there's phases and or stages of relationships and so if you if you if a person's ever been to um relationship counseling or marital counseling or premarital you know there's there's often these five or seven stages that are talked about in the course of things that you go through in relationship sometimes some people have not even talked about this with their pastor or with their therapist and so on and so forth. And so how I like to break it down though, is that there's literally four cycles in a relationship. And there's like this first honeymoon cycle that we go through, you know, everything's good and nice and lovey dovey. And we try to get to know each other and, (laughs) And you go, your drawers don't stink just yet. Right, just I'm yet. just like, oh right. yes, yeah, everything's fresh and clean. Everybody's smelling good. You wearing, I'm wearing Georgia Armani, Listen, Aqua D, whatever it's called. People going to bed with their hair on <laughs> yep. and their lashes on, teeth in, te- <laughs> they the makeup on, wigs on. Listen, just everybody the, going in, just putting their yeah, best foot forward, best foot forward, just like. When you was going through the aspect of literally getting to know the person, right? Because you don't want you don't want your stuff out there, right? Yeah, right. That's that's that first phase. But then, then there's this phase I call the negotiation phase, mm. which is literally when we start finding out what works and what doesn't work yeah. for our life, for our things going on. Listen, we 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 in, our, in that negotiation phase, what often cases happens is. It's, it's as the word says, we start negotiating based on my likes and dislikes, mm-hmm. my needs and my wants, your needs and your wants. This ain't happening this way. Well, I want it this way. Mm-hmm. We start trying to figure out what what's what's good and what's not. Yeah. You know, but then really what happens at the negotiation phase is when things start to kind of be like when the when the spit hits the fan, you know, <laughs> uh, when, when stuff starts happening, then we start going through what I like to call the stress phase, mm. you know, and stress phase really is now we start really voicing all the negative or unhealthy things in our relationship because now our needs and wants aren't being factored into in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think once we start getting into that five, four, five, six, seven year range, that's when stress really starts to occur mm-hmm. in relationships and you have displeasures, you have hurts, you have fixations, mm-hmm. certain expectations that are not met. And that lastly ends up in kind of this fourth phase I call either you attach mm. or you detach from the relationship, which is binding or not binding. 
And we're going to talk about cheating today because that is often cases where we get into this entanglement or cheating piece um, in our relationships. We get in this cheating aspect kind of on the ending cycle of stress and detachment or attachment phases, those last two phases. So that's kind of where I think we should begin, babe. Okay. Yeah. So you spoke a little bit about cheating and how uh, many people cheat for many different reasons, right? And I think when we talk about the seven-year itch, that's the first thing that come to mind. Like, what's the itch and who's scratching it? (laughs) Exactly. Right? Right? And so, but when I was thinking about this topic, I was thinking about, um, for us, when we came into our seventh year, I think we were coming off a very pivotal, 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 how you say it? You just said it, pivotal. (laughs) We were coming off of a very strange, hard, new time, right? So we were new parents. Yep. And then we were finding out that we were about to be two-time parents, right? A second-time parent. And I think some of the things that we were easily tolerating, some of the expectations that weren't expressed, but we were like, uh, it'll get better. He'll understand or she'll get it. It wasn't like we were getting on each other's nerves. Right. Sure. And I remember, (laughs) I remember one night, like we had a conversation that I think we both cried for like, the majority of the time. I don't know if I was crying. I know I was crying. Mm-hmm. I thought you was crying. I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was as I was angry. You were and yeah. like you guys, it was it was getting so bad that like Sam was having crazy dreams like about me and it was just the stress of unmet expectations. And yeah. so for us the 7th year didn't come with us wanting to look outside of our marriage, it came with like, you're getting on my nerves. And if I don't say something to you, we're going to blow this place up. Like we're walking around ticking time bombs and some things need to be said. Mm -hmm. And um, not to make it seem like everything happened overnight because we're still working on some of those things that we discussed, but it was like the, the nail came to the head, right? Like, the rubber met the roll one night and we just blah, it all, it all came out. And, and I think that, and this is a, like a, a crucial part of why that happened. I think if we go back to like those phases of relationship, that third phase of like, you're in this space of stress. Yeah. Stress often cases causes something to happen in our brains. It's suppressing what we actually feel or think about a certain thing in our lives. Right. And if, if our, if our, if our style of navigating conversations or relationships is, well, I'm trying to be nice to my spouse. I love my spouse so much that I'm not going to tell them or share with them mm-hmm. how I'm truly, really mm-hmm. feeling. That's suppressing. Yeah. You're suppressing all these things because you're like, well, I don't want to offend them. Maybe I need to think about this more. And I know that's my style. Yeah. That's definitely your you style. Know, you know, you will, you will, if something's bothering you, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, you'll say it. And, or what you do is you go to God. Often cases, you be like, I'm gonna go to God and think about this, and then you know, if you know, He reveals or whatever, then I'm gonna say it. You you do that, I do, but I think on if if something is really bothering me, so I am not a grudge holder. Yep. I don't like holding on to things. It begins to 
rest in my mind and my dream. I'm a dreamer. Um, so if we have any dreamers out there, um, I, I dream things. So if something is in my subconscious and in my heart, it's going to manifest itself into dreams. And I don't like that. And so I share if something's bothering me. And I think with Sam, because he is a processor, it often can seem like I'm talking about what I don't like or what I need. And he's like, dang, well, what about me? But that's because he doesn't really express Uh what he needs. And so that night, (laughs) out the blue, sure did. this boy was just like, listen. This is what I want and need, and you're not doing it. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, 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 And... Listen, that is that can be both healthy and unhealthy. We'll talk about a healthy way to do that later on in the podcast. But like that can be unhealthy if like as a for me uh, or as a guy or whoever is the suppressor in the relationship based on your style of dealing with stress. Mm -hmm. Like when you do that, all of a sudden when stuff comes out, you know, it can come out in a whole lot of different ways. Like we talk about we talked about emotions these past three episodes Mm -hmm. and just Alex aspects of in regards to childbirth and postpartum we we put a theme to it yeah but like in emotions often cases when we're trying to deal with these things in our lives you know it can come out in very unhealthy ways for example unhealthy anger you know or unhealthy you know uh uh, sadness or you know unhealthy grief and in all those ways that it comes out especially when it's verbalized Mm -hmm. that can seem like it's left field for the other person because you ain't said nothing yeah. But they probably have been reading your body. You know? Def- definitely. And it was like a point in time where I felt like you was angry with me every day. And I think I was saying that I was like, I could tell that something was bothering you. And the whole time I didn't know it was me. Right. Like I knew I'm like, I felt like I was walking on eggshells and I didn't like that. And yeah. I think that's how the conversation began. Cause I'm like, I feel like you're always angry with me. So our seven year wasn't so much about cheating or looking outside of our marriage. It was about, listen, for the past six years, we've let this slide. I haven't said nothing about this. I can't take it anymore. But for some people, the seven year does cause an itch Mm -hmm. and it does cause folks to look outside of their marriage. And so there are some reasons why people cheat. Yeah. And, and I think that like, there's like, some people are going to be, okay, you got the surface reasons why people are going to cheat. Well, that person cheated because, you know, they're emotionally immature Mm -hmm. or that person cheated because, you know, they really just wanted to get out there and see, and see the field. And, and they didn't really care about the person that really, that marriage wasn't needed underneath the covenant of God. Anyhow, we use all these like, Or I didn't look, or the one partner didn't look good, or wasn't fulfilling them sexually. Sexually, or and and those are all like really good reasons, but a lot of them are surface, and a lot of things that everybody already knows, right? (laughs) You know, and I think that there's some other layers to this, and so um, there's a great articles out there on Psychology Today. There's great books that we'll kind of talk about today that you can go check out that are religious and not religious. Um, Again, this is this podcast is for everybody. And so in this frame, you know, um, this one of this articles um, and uh, source material comes from uh, three different authors. And we'll leave this in the description. But uh, they say there's these eight key motivations for relationship infidelity. Um, The eight are these anger, esteem, a lack of love, low commitment, need for variety, neglect, sexual desire is seven 
and situations or situationships or as we like to call them entanglement 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 (laughs) exactly there's a song about that by august alcina for all those who are wondering where that's coming from y'all know exactly where that's coming from right but babe like in that those are just eight and i could go into descriptions of what those mean um but we'll do that we'll do that in a different way so let's just re recapitulate so the eight key motivations for cheating Mm -hmm. is anger are these in order just say them so anger esteem meaning i this person doesn't make me feel good about myself like they don't stroke my ego Mm -hmm. lack of love low commitment need for variety i want a greater variety of sexual partners i don't okay Mm -hmm. with that one there's no way that i could fulfill that Exactly, unless you, <laughs> unless you got multiple personalities. Ooh, and then you're dealing with a whole different demon. A whole lot of mental Anyway, illness. neglect, sexual desires, and situations. Right. And then there's some statistics, right, about cheating. Um, it says that women have longer affairs, and affairs were also more emotional. Like, we knew that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I always often say that women are sneakier than men so that's why they can carry on <laughs> undercover relationships for longer periods of time but when that but when that thing is found out by a man it hurts a Ooh. man so deep not to say that there's a, co- a competition between who hurts the most but man when a when a man find out he cheated on yeah r kelly said when a woman's fed up it ain't nothing you could do about it i i beg to differ when a man is fed up it's a different type of wrath. Like y'all get petty. Women, women, we I, I don't know. When a woman's fed up, R. Kelly said ain't nothing you could do about it. It's like she ran out of love. But when men, it's like when you lose their trust, because I think it goes back to respect. And exactly. because that's the main thing that men need is respect. It's just like, I mean, every man ain't like a Will Smith who can go back after. And that's and and that's a whole nother conversation that we ain't getting into today. Either. No, but still, I mean, it, it's just I feel like when men hurt, they you guys just y'all 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 a different type of 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 hurt. Um, another statistic about cheating is that much of the sexual activity in affairs involves kissing right and touching and feeling so a lot of times people look outside or get that itch because they're not getting that touch that love is very mundane very and and that is because you can go back to the love language five love languages that's right and and how one person you know, most often is the one that appreciates touch. Yeah. Because they often initiate it. We did this on a whole podcast in season yep. one. Mm-hmm. But like one person who wants touch, so they initiate it, trying to say like, hey, this is what I need. And the other person is often touch averse. Yeah. We remember when we talked about that. Definitely. Like I'm the I love touch. Touch. Touch me, please. <laughs> touch. Omarion. You know what I'm saying? Or is that Jay? Jay, Jay. It's Omarion. Okay, just make sure. So like literally in in that space cheaters be like listen i'm not getting none of that and so when someone fulfills that need whether it's a brush on the shoulder and then that turns into something else yep and another statistic most often people don't cheat because of situations with their partners it goes back to what sam said it's to fulfill something that they aren't getting so it's not they're not cheating because oh 
this situation happened. I'm stepping out. It's no, I'm not getting touched. I'm not feeling validated. I can't talk to my spouse. They don't listen to me. They don't have time for me. So then they're fulfilling a void. And then one of the last um, statistics, it's a whole bunch of them, yeah. is that um, if they do, if they do situationally, yeah, get 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 in a, a, a situation ship or start cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, they often don't really want to leave their partners. Right. So they want to have their cake and and eat, it too. and eat it too. So they want the person that they fell in love with, but they're so what is it the eighty twenty? They want to hold on to the eighty mm-hmm. and go play around with the twenty to make a hundred. Right. And we all know that that never really works out. I want a wife and a girlfriend, right? A want, lot of times, I want a husband and a boyfriend. Yep. A lot of times, you end up losing the eighty to go get the twenty, or you let go of the twenty and work with your eighty. This it is. <laughs> super rare I, and i have no no biffs against anybody out there in culture that wants to do it and figures it out but it is extremely rare for someone in a husband and wife relationship to be able to manage that relationship alone to then start another relationship and manage it too no you, you, you stressed Man. Tired, wore out, Man. trying to figure it out. You like I'm having fun and joy with my with my with my side person, you know, and and then I'm I'm stressed out with the other one because I'm trying to make them both work, and and it's very extremely rare that you make it work. Yeah, because it's not meant to be that way. It's true. I don't believe so, but yeah. So those are some reasons why people cheat. Some statistics. So now, Sam, what can we do? Like so. Well, well, I think. There we can talk about what we can do, but I think there's the aspect of we're talking about this this fourth phase, right, where people are in that space, yeah. right, to to navigate this in regards to like, okay, they just went right to cheating after being stressed and detaching from the relationship. But I think there's a step in it that we got to talk about, babe, before we say this is what you can do, and that is let's just say during seven, eight, fourteen, twenty one, twenty eight years yeah. of relationship, your relationship has been counted on as good. Right. Your relationship is, oh, yeah, we straight. We talk. We verbalize. We mm-hmm. have great conversations. We have kids. God is good. You know. We travel. We're picture perfect. Like, we lift others up. We we mentor <laughs> others. All the stuff, right? Yeah. And then you still find someone that ends up cheating. And those are the situations that you'd be shocked. You'd be like, not them. No, not my pastor. Not my, not my, my, not my good friend. Not, not, them. not them. It makes me think about the Tyler Perry movie with Janet Jackson and, uh, oh boy, they were like that couple that was giving advice to everybody and underneath. But you know what? It was. So here's my thing, Sam. On, talk about it. You can't really say that I believe, unless the people are just grand actors inside of your relationship, even if you're portraying to the world that y'all are good. Mm-hmm. It's some red flags up in there somewhere. You can't just be like, I didn't see it coming. I mean, some people may, but I'm like, sus or bro, there were some red flags in there. Mm -hmm. There was some detachment somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, And that's why we're talking about this detachment phase. Right. Because after you have gone through all of this relational stress, In those previous X amount of years in your relationship, Mm -hmm. when there's a space where you're not bound, talk about a Kanye song, you're not bound to your spouse, 
there's reasons why you're not bound to them. There's reasons why you're not not growing in the continual goodness or fruit of that relationship. And I think that that comes down to this space of I like as Esther Perel, who's the author of the state of affairs, calls it. She has these four specific reasons that she talks about how in healthy relationships people end up cheating. And she says what ends up happening personally is these four things that there's self-exploration. Number one, meaning that a person often feels like they are coming into a new and or they are trying to rediscover a lost identity. Yeah, I could talk about several individuals and or clients Mm -hmm. where, you know, individuals came into this new space of, man, I'm rediscovering me. Right. I'm figuring out how this new adjustment or adaptation to the kind of lifestyle I want is a new me. And my spouse Mm -hmm. is not a part of that. Yeah. Or my spouse is not allowing me to emerge yeah or, they want or, the old me uh-huh. <laughs> you know that's one reason wow another reason that she talks about she calls it the seductive nature of transgression which is this aspect of a s- excitement that you're missing from a relationship that's in a detached in a detached phase of your relationship yeah. when you are in this space trying to figure out why your relationship is no longer we don't have a fun dates no more we ain't going and join each other really no more. We just doing life. Yeah. Tired. Mm-hmm. Go out. Just doing it. I got Every day kids. the same. Here's another one. Like when you're in your relationship and your kids mean more than everything else. Your, how often do we hear that? Listen, because it can easily happen. It can easily happen. And that's why you have to work at that thing. And it's crazy that a part of the chase of being of cheating is what makes people want to cheat. The secrecy, what she's saying, the secrecy, the excitement, the getting caught is mm-hmm. <laughs> is what is exciting for people who do this, this kind of way. And, and that's why I'm, I'm calling it detachment because mm. you're not you're not a bound. You're not binding to your spouse. Mm-hmm. You're often finding ways in, in terms of who you are in your personality yeah. and the development of who you are in your entity. You're finding ways to be like, man, I'm emerging and I don't feel like my partner's going to emerge with me. She has two more. She says, um, the allure of lives not lived a la missed opportunities. Mm. Like how many times in our, in our, in our lives personally, where we feel like, man, this thing I missed or that thing I didn't fulfill or that thing I didn't get a chance to do over the course of my 10, 15, 20 years of my past life. And now I feel like I'm out here and I just missed so much. And then don't let somebody from that pet, from that era that you felt, (laughs) We've seen let's, movies about let's this. Let's talk about Bel Air. I, I was about to say, come on, talk spoiler about alert. If you haven't seen Bel Air, you might want to push pause for a second. So, Anne Viv was an artist who put her, you know, life, her art life on the side. Yep. And she was reemerging as an artist. And this beautiful, light skinned, green eyed guy from her past who was a part of that era. You know, that, you know, she was trying to reinvent, reemerge, comes and supports her in ways that her husband was not. Luckily, ain't vivid in fold. People thought she was, but it was those feelings that she was getting from him that reminded her of a time that she was trying to recreate, that she was trying to reemerge. So if you are that person and you're, you're having those feelings, be careful of the people from your past, right? That will come back into your life 
during those times where you're trying to reemerge that era, the nineties, the two thousand when I was in college or when I first, you know, got out, got my first job and your old coworkers, it's just a detachment to that attachment to that era, to that feeling. Exactly. And that often leads to this fourth thing that she says, the feeling of new and or exiled emotions. Mm. And when you have those emotions that then play a role in the game, whether you're male or female, yeah. husband or wife in this role, whatever that is, like you, you going to feel something yeah. because now you're like, man, that, that excitement, that joy, that happiness I had, or that feeling of, of connectedness to that thing I used to want to be a part of, like it's coming back and I'm not going to miss my opportunity. And I don't care what the risk is. And this is why, You have to be careful who you entertain as a married person, right? Because our relationship is good. Like I'm not looking to cheat, but because I'm feeling these feelings, I'm thinking about old times. Then one of my exes, one of my friends, one of my flashbacks, throwbacks slides in my DMs and I'm starting to have, what is it? Um, uh, nostalgia, right? About how I felt back then. And then that's how you start. That's how it comes. That's how it comes through. That's how those good relationships you're, you're in the euphoria of what used to be. Mm -hmm. And then boom. Listen, like any coach. And I use this adage way back from the 1990s. Like any coach says, you either going forward or you advance. You can't say the same. And so in that same way, you put this in marriage, you are either further attaching to your spouse or detaching Mm. from your spouse before something new can emerge in that next cycle of your life. Mm -hmm. And so like in that space, we didn't we didn't we didn't give you a lot of why and what's behind this. But let's let's give a little bit of hope here, babe. Right. Like, how do we have hope and help each other? have proper attachment because this is, this is the key concept right here. We're talking about relationships. How do we have proper attachment? Well, number one, I would say it's going to be imperative that you have safe shared spaces to have conversations for real. And I'm talking about spiritually, emotionally, cognitively, all the elites because like, in the, in the space of when you're navigating relationships, stress and problem after problem, children figuring out the hub of how you're going to meet finest, mm-hmm. even if you're affluent, you got affluent issues. You know, yeah. all the things that are going on in your life, you still have these inner core pieces of who you are. And as a spouse and, and a husband and wife relationship, you're trying to navigate things in all these personal components intricately, intrinsically in terms of your spiritual, emotional, and cognitive spaces. And a lot of times we do that inside, right? Because yep. we feel that our spouse cannot handle it, yep. that it will cause a bigger issue. But yep. I urge you to say, once again, we always say this, a good spouse, a good partner does not want to hurt you. Does not want to harm you. We are on the same team. So if I'm having emotional feelings or feeling some type of nostalgia about a DM or a friend or a post or something that I see, I'm going to talk to my husband about it. Like, guess who slid up in my DMs? Be open, honest, and transparent, right? With your spouse about the feelings that you're having concerning issues that could become a bigger issue. And because you're really talking about the next point, which is verbalize your insecurities. Yeah. Because if, if you are, number one, if you are willing to have a, a, a creative, uh, if you're willing to create a conversation in a safe and shared space for yourselves, you number one, you want to have that in an intimate setting, have intimate conversations 
and figure out for you and your spouse where you should have those conversations. Is it the bedroom? Is it beyond a date night, another date night that is dedicated towards having deep, hard conversations about things that you want and need? And then in that space, when you're needing to verbalize your insecurities, which in another way, as you would say, babe, verbalizing your needs and wants. Yes. You're talking about what simply isn't working in your relationship. And when you're talking about what isn't working, number one, it's it's a space where you're not trying to guilt trip the other person, where you're not just telling them, like, you got to change in an aggressive manner. But you're being assertive, not passive, not aggressive, assertive to be honest, transparent, open and be respectful and loving to share what's not working in your relationship. And And yeah. Yeah. And I often tell people because everyone isn't as vocal, right? Some people have very hard time getting their words together, especially in moments of that, you know, going to be some confrontation. Exactly. So we know in relationships, confrontation is inevitable, but it can have a great outcome. Confrontation don't mean a screaming, hollering, throwing chairs fussing and cussing and it's just basically having some type of tension to get to a solution right exactly if you have to write it down in a letter just so you can get your words together just so you can be like did I hit all my points and honestly it's very hard for somebody to read a letter in a hostile (laughs) in a hostile moment because you're gonna look kind of crazy like and then I said and, and and if you want to take it one further, not only do you potentially write a letter or record a voice memo or whatever mm-hmm. that is, and you give that to your spouse, I would say don't just give it to your spouse and leave a room and then wait for them to figure Read it all out. Right. No, be in their presence and in a sense, get in the ring and have a hopefully non-combative conversation right. to talk about your needs and wants. Because often cases, if you're not verbalizing your insecurities in those spaces that leads to further detachment in your relationship and a letter, not a text. <laughs> Please don't text y'all for real. That's I, my husband's I, biggest pet peeve. Oh my goodness. Not in a text because that can be interpreted any kind of so way. So many different ways. A letter with you in the room is just, I would say you read it out loud. That's fair. Instead of them even, cause in their mind, they can have their own voice, their own inflections, <laughs> their own, you know, do it. This is just to help you get your words together to make sure that your thoughts are gathered because we have to be honest, everyone isn't as comfortable with talking in a moment of conflict. Mm-hmm. That's good. And here's the last one. The last helper help you with this process of not detaching and having proper attachment. The last one is this one. And this is, and this comes from a, a biblical perspective. So here is out like allow, get this, allow for forgiveness of thought okay forgiveness of thought we often get in the space of where we're trying to navigate forgiveness of action and that can be so much more harder but let's just say you're in a good relationship and your spouse is thinking about doing something crazy or verbalizing their insecurities of like man i could cheat i i had this urge or i'm whatever that is allow for forgiveness of thought and what's kind of behind this thought process is this like the bible already says in, in scripture, it says, as a man thinks mm-hmm. or as a person thinks, so are they or so is he. Mm-hmm. It also talks about anxiety, you know, be not anxious, but by everything, but, you know, submitted by prayer and supplication, you know, and all the whole piece. And, 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 and that's in Philippians four. And so when you're talking about your thoughts and the powerful place that it has, 
and the things that you should be thinking, you know, the good, you know, acceptable. Mm-hmm. And, and it, all, it also talks about casting down imagination. Exactly. Too. You have all these things going on in your thought life and these are just parts of it. And so when those things are happening, you go back to the old adage, it's the thought that counts <laughs> or counts against you. Um, <laughs> It's the very want or desire to even dwell on what detachment looks like and eventually cheating that often cases we have to ask for forgiveness for. Mm. And it's okay to allow your partner to ask for that. And it's okay for yourself to grant forgiveness Mm. in that space because it is a thought. And forgiveness means don't keep throwing it back up in their face, right? Because they're going to be like, I might as well, I should, what Keisha Cole say? I might as well went to the club. I might as well cheated. I might as well. Yeah. Because I think, and that's, that is the test, I think, of a good foundation in a relationship that I'm able to come talk to you about the things that I'm thinking, my desires, and it may hurt. Like that conversation me and Sam had late at night. I cried myself to sleep. My feelings were hurt, y'all. And I was pregnant. My feelings was hurt, but I couldn't throw again. Good job, Sam. <laughs> I could, but I mean, you had to let it out. I had to. That that's I, there was a safe space for you, and I know because you're a processor that if I mess this up, you would never talk about this again with me. It's true. If I continue to throw it in your face, if I continue to say sly remarks about it. If anything, you would have never, ever, ever came back and been like, I'm going to talk to my wife about this. So as bad as my feelings were hurt, I knew that wasn't your intent. And I knew as soon as you heard I was crying, you kept, babe, this is not my intent. This is not my intent. And I mean, you can't help how my feelings feel. But I knew that I that moment I had to create a safe space. I'd rather you come to me and tell me about me. And about what you want and what you need, there for you to go talk tell some other woman. So true. I'm just like I'm creating this space where my husband feels like I can talk to my wife. I can have these conversations. I'm she's just not open to good conversations that esteem her. Yeah. But I mean, there's room for growth. Yeah. And so it's a test of being able to trust you in that moment. So true, babe. It's so true. And, and, and all of that, we have to, I think, you know, as we as we close, like we have to make sure we're managing our motives. We have to manage our motives in that space, because like if you if you if we're being honest and, and this is this is this is got to be real. If we're being honest for some people, they like, listen, I actually really do want to detach. I really don't want to be in this relationship. We everything was good, happy, healthy. But because of one of those four reasons that we talked about from that book or because of something or another, all of a sudden it's like, well, I really do want to out. And and in that space, better to verbalize and share and be honest than to hold that thing two, three years, wait for somebody to do something crazy to then be like, oh, here we go. I can do what I want to do. I can be out. Manage your motives. Check your heart. Navigate where you need your own place of forgiving yourself and asking for forgiveness in those spaces and be honest rather to be honest in a relationship, pray and ask God to forgive you than to just allow things to happen. And then something else, you know what I'm saying? Because I think with cheating, that's the part. It's the deception. It is right. It's the 
you lied. You went behind my back. You didn't tell me you were happy. And if you did tell me you weren't happy, like you didn't tell me you was ready to detach all the way. You like a lot of times people are like, just tell me. I think that's the biggest part of cheating is the deception. Yeah. It's like you come home like you ain't done nothing. It's the deception. So all in all, the seven-year itch, it's psychologically, it could happen. I think looking in the news media today, we see people married for 21 years, 15 years, 20 years, just all of a sudden, just like we done. And for some, it was probably for the better. For some, it probably caught some the other spouse by surprise. But we're hoping that we gave y'all some tips and some nuggets and some things to discuss with your spouse about how to continually have that open space where you guys can talk. Y'all can um, be real, be open, be transparent so that this won't happen. So if you do have an itch, your spouse can scratch it. Okay, if you want something different, let me go throw on a wig. Let me go (laughs) do something. If this is some, some let me me go build some muscle. Let me go get it back how you like it. Like whatever. Let's don't just go around with expectations unspoken. Yeah, yeah, that is so true, babe. Can you can you pray for like for that for those spouses out there that struggling for those spouses that. Maybe their relationship is good, but it's good because they ain't talked about nothing. Like, can you just pray for them a second, babe? Yes. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the ability to be able to talk and dialogue with our spouse. Father, even if we're in situations that are hard and aren't as good as it should be or could be, God, I'm praying that you will soften the hearts of both the wife and the husband. Father, I'm asking that you will give the words to each of them to be able to express their expectations, God, in a way that their spouse can understand. That communication will be at an all-time high. That offense will be at an all-time low. Lord, I ask, God, that the home, the marriage bed, our Father God, be kept sacred. I pray, God, that years of brokenness or years of unheard expectations will begin to be healed, Father. Bring strategy, wisdom, and understanding to married couples, Father God, who want to make it work, who's willing to fight for their marriage, God. Lord, I thank you that you're just allowing us to get resources and understanding and knowledge and wisdom, even if we have to seek out therapy, even if we have to seek out mentors to help us in our marriage to make sure that we are talking and communicating and that our expectations are being met. Father, give us strategy to make marriage fun, lively, exciting, wonderful, Let us say that this marriage, our marriages, God, are strong and thriving. God, we just thank you for everyone that's listening. And we pray, Father God, that they will take something away from this podcast. If it be just one nugget, God, that communication, that talking, that loving each other well can cause a great marriage to blossom. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, all right. That was it. The seven year itch. Y'all, we about to be eight in June. We we over the hump. I'm just playing. We still have to work yeah. um, to make sure that 
all the itches are being scratched yeah. by either Sam or me. We right. scratching each other. Because okay. After we have learned to attach, guess what happens? You start back over and something's new. Yeah. Yeah. You begin new again. Yeah. Eight years. Eight years. The new beginning. Hallelujah. So y'all, we love y'all. Enjoy y'all weekend. And until next time, peace.